0: You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast. And this is an Indie Talk week, and that means I'm here with my good friend and co-host of the Make It Podcast, Nicholas Bucks. Nick, say hello. Hello, hello, hello. And
1: uh, my friend Chris, it's not just me who's here with you today. I I wanted to let you know that my friend John Barr is hanging out with me as well. And if you're not familiar Mm -hmm. with my friend, uh, yes, uh, this is a blended Scotch whiskey reserve (laughs) blend. So uh, yeah, it's Nick Bugs, and you've got John Barr as well.
0: Oh man. I I wish that I were drinking something with you right now. I just had some of this um, four sigmatic lion's mane mushroom elixir, which I drink as if it's a tea. So i'll just I'll just pop the powder in a mug hot water over the top and then I'll kind of let it just steep for a little bit and then I'll get that and I've actually seen medicinal effects of both uh bourbon scotch and tea so is, <laughs> i th- I think either way we're 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 in a good place, but yeah man but I didn't fancy you as a scotch drinker I used to drink uh McClellan back in the day, yeah yeah, I know that one yep. And then, and then I I haven't had Scotch in a long time, and I think it's because of the sort of marketing machine and influence of both bourbon and tequila. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, overwhelmed by them. Overwhelmed by, and so everyone wants to drink, you know, the latest bourbon, right? They don't want. No one says, "Hey, pour me a Scotch anymore." And they're not that foreign of drinks. Like it's kind of a, they're kind of in the same world, but now people come to your house and they want to see your bourbon collection. And uh, the latest bourbon I've had is um, the Southern Revival bourbon, sorghum, and it's uh, incredible. It's it's so different. It's it's really unique. Uh, I know that every now and then, Nick, I will give these bourbon, (laughs) bourbon and and tequila recommendations, uh, on this podcast, but yeah, go check out the revival. They have a couple of different flavors and and styles of, of, bourbon and whiskey. And so far, all of them are great, slightly sweet. Um, but not, not super sweet, uh, but full bodied you know, really, really good stuff. Um, Highly, highly recommended. And you, I guess, are recommending the John Barr Scotch. Indeed, indeed, it's uh, <laughs> very, very smooth,
1: my friend. You know, smooth like this podcast. So, you know, we got to roll
0: with the John Barr. Are you getting like Are you getting notes of bark and, See, and I soil? You didn't say that. Are you, getting, to say that, are you yeah. getting Are you getting Are you getting notes of uh, of uh you know, plastic soda can, a bottle, uh, cherry. Yeah.
1: None of that. None of that, my friend, none of that.
0: No, no, no. We have a, we have friends that do this. They, they follow the bourbon blogs and, and they talk in this, they talk about bourbon in this way. Uh, taste, uh, I I taste cinnamon stick and chemicals, (laughs) (laughs) but only on its nose. Literally, right, right. That's, that's, they're, they're, drink, they're, drink, they're drinking the wrong thing, my friend. Its foundational you know, they, they roots are chocolate up. and yeah, uh, smashed smashed blackberries. Right, right, sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a yeah, lot. Sure. To, there's, there's a lot to taste and look. There's something to it because I used to have a friend named Craig. I went to Hawaii with him uh, back in the day, and he had just gone through a divorce, so he was drinking like a fish, and. He was a, he had went to go try to be a sommelier, uh, a master one at that, right? And so he had to be able to taste just like without looking like where the wine was from, what region, all that stuff, what type. And when I tell you he could taste it, he'd say, no, okay, so tell me you taste the orange pill. I'm like, I don't taste any. I just taste red wine. I don't taste anything, and he's like, you know, your palate isn't refined. <laughs> 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 Which is like this cool thing you can say to anybody, right? Like you can, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, do you follow this line of logic? No, I don't. I don't follow. Mm, you're not there yet, bro. Right?
1: Yeah. Step up your game.
0: Yeah. Wait. Wake up. Wake up. You've been asleep too long. <laughs> wake up. Right. You know, quit being a sheeple and come with me. Right. That's what people can always. People can always. Like, if you don't get a point then people can always shame you uh, about not being woke enough to understand like that you should be tasting like blueberry or, or like black currants or that you should understand this concept. And one of those things is diversity, equity, and inclusion right now, which is a hot topic and something we want to talk about today. And as uh, and look, we're two black guys that <laughs> have a film company, a boutique film company and run a podcast. And I don't think that's very common. Uh, and, and so we should be affected by diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think we are affected by it on a daily basis. And we should have a POV on it. But I don't think it's the POV, Nick, that, that everyone would assume that we would have. Uh, and so we want to talk about that today a little bit because it's in the news, in the film news, in the film world, especially around the Golden Globes and their their HFPA and these 90 journalists that, that uh, are all white <laughs> and pick the nominees and the winners every year. So why don't we hop into this deep and varied and juicy subject of not red wine and scotch and bourbon notes, but of the notes and flavors and undercurrents. Of diversity, equity, and inclusion, Nick. You're talking about the uh, the darker the berry, the sweeter the, the, the
1: juice. juice. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, you know, getting back to what you said about the HFPA, Now, I don't know that they're uh, all white, but I I will say that one of the comments that was made during the Golden Globes is that there are no black people on that um, that judging panel of of journalists, and you know that was a it was a hot topic. You know, again, they're they're judging, you know, which films should get the awards. And yet, you know, none of them have this perspective, you know, from you could say an African-American, an African-American perspective uh, to be able to vote on, you know, from their again, from that perspective, from that lens on what might be a great film, a great performance, a great whatever, what have you. And, you know, what really struck me about it, you know, because, again, we we talk indie Right. We talk Hollywood sometimes, but we talk Hollywood so we can get back to what we know and what we love is. And and that's the indie world. Right. I thought about this right now. It's like, okay. There's a lot of talk about it. People are making jokes about it. There was a Times investigation into the HFPA and their diversity and inclusion. And the HFPA has gone out and hired a diversity consultant and and hired a law firm to help them with, you know, exclusionary (laughs) practices. Like, this is legit. Like, it's not a it's not like a small thing. Right. It's like they're doing all this stuff. At least they're presenting like they're doing it. But anyway, it's a it's a big conversation. So I thought about, okay, how does that work in indie film? Right. So not just the judging of things at you know, award shows and things like that, because the indie world doesn't really have that, you know, beyond uh, the film festival world. But, you know, just thinking about a film crew, like how does that translate? Because, you know, you and I have told, I don't know, countless people and we've said it on the podcast, like our whole motto is like no mercenaries. You right. know, we're not messing with people who aren't messing with us. Like it's not about the film it's about us, it's about relationships. You want to work with people who not just, you know, who aren't just interested in a project or a product or a payday, you want to work with people who are interested in you, right? And want you to be successful. So if that's the case, right? If other indie filmmakers are in the same boat and they're like, you know, no mercenaries, then, you know, let's say I hang out You know, in the black community, and I've got a lot of black friends. And I'm like, hey, you know, do you know a cinematographer that can help me out on my next film? Well, my black friend in the black community might call somebody black, right? Right. In the black community. And now I've got me, I'm a black director, writer. I've got my buddy who's been working with me forever, and he's a producer and he's black. This guy I talked to got me a black cinematographer, and we're making a black story. So it's black actors. Does that mean I'm excluding non-black people from the production? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say so. But in the world that we're living in today, could someone point the finger at me now and say that I'm not being inclusive of other folks because I didn't offer the opportunity to just someone who was not black?
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting problem to, to, dig into and I want to dig into it a little bit because right now, and, and I, I will say full disclosure, I've done some work in, um, uh, DEI, and I continue to do that, um, diversity, so, so
1: equity, and, and, inclusion. and inclusion
0: over the last yeah, year. And those, those get coupled together, but the issue at the golden globes is really one of, of the eye, right? So the inclusivity part of that, um, you could you could argue the diversity part obviously as well. Um, and, and you could argue a little bit of the equity part, but it's like here's the thing. If if you have um, if you have a group that doesn't have any people of color on it, or no black people, let's say, then you could argue that black people didn't get any equity uh, due to the lack of diversity. (laughs) And so therefore they weren't included, you know, in the golden globes. So you could, you you could level it up, but, but I do think you have to kind of separate them to figure out where the root problem lies because, um, this is where the academy gets a little bit better than the golden globes, right? Because the academy will send out screeners to people who work in Hollywood of, and, and so if you're working in Hollywood, you're going to be able to vote Uh, for the best film. And the reason that works a little better is because artists hate being in this space. Uh, Artists want to make great art. They're trying to express something in this specific way that only they can express it. And that has nothing to do with the politics and the zeitgeist of the times. Um, so when they have to be pulled out of this world to think about the financing of the film, which they have to think about, but it's not something they enjoy, right? We know that for a fact, uh, when they have to be pulled out to think about the branding and marketing, right? We deal with that on a regular basis, Nick, it's outside of their scope of what they want. Uh, the, 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 the zone they want to be in to create the best possible art. And now they have to think outside the box, right? To think about. You know how to deal with the political uh, and social movements and, and changes of the times. Uh, on on top of everything else, I'm reminded of, of having a meeting with a director years ago, right at the peak of the Me Too movement, where, you know, his <laughs> somewhat uh, underthought suggestion is, um, you know, do I do I ever hire another woman in the crew again, like just to avoid the trouble of it, and it's kind of this hand fisted silly response, but the spirit of it was, I don't want to ruin my good name. And I don't know what, like there's, there's a, there's a trust issue behind that statement where, okay, I don't trust the intentions of people anymore because this has been presented to me. So, so to go back to it, I look at it like this. If you have just one black person in this group of 90 journalists, uh, you might get some, some black projects nominated because then that person would be interested in a black story. Um so uh, to address the inverse which is what you talked about like okay well if I have an all-black uh if I'm a black director I might have black producers if I have black producers I might have black cast if I have a black cast because I have a black story I might have black crew and then I don't have any white people on the crew right well, this this reminds me of of the the claim that that black people can't be racist because we don't have a position of power in society that would allow us to be racist uh, against the majority group. Uh, I don't believe that um, because I've seen uh, black people be racist before. <laughs> I've just seen it happen, uh, and, and not against white people, but against other people, another other races. Like it's just, but it's but you you can be that way. Um, you know, like it, it, but, the, but the idea is, is simply this. This is where it gets interesting. If you grow up in America as a black person, you get taught through socialization that white people are beautiful, or uh, the most beautiful, I should say, that their stories matter. That, And, and, and not only that, but I would say 90% of the stories you're going to watch on a regular basis growing up are going to be about white people and in, wh- their life and, and, um, American life viewed through the lens of, of the majority race in the country. Right? So if you were a black person, uh, in the golden globes, for, ex- for example, right? So let's say you were, let's say the golden globes of the 90 journalists, they, they changed it where 40 of them were black if those 40 black people live in a majority white country, they still might vote for Nomadland, which by the way was directed by a minority director, but, uh, or they still might vote for Shit's Creek, which is incredible, or The Crown, which is one of the best written and shot shows ever, by the way. So like all these winners were well deserving, Nick. So, but, but the idea is that it doesn't work the other way around. Right. So if I'm black and I grew up in a majority white country, I'm going to appreciate a white story and I might vote for that. But if I'm white and I'm the majority group, I'm not necessarily going to be interested in a black story. And that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like you said, that's, that's the problem. Um,
1: I think it's just, like you said, it's the lenses, you know, so sometimes, you know, when they talk about it, it's it's no black people, it's no this color, it's no this gender. You know, again, it gets back to what you just said, which was really it isn't the color. Mm-hmm. It's the lens. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if you're looking for diversity, equity and inclusion, then it's really about the lens of the people who are on this board. Like it's the same thing with, you know, with film. You know, it's the, the, the people that you pick it to be in your circle you believe, share a common lens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, I just said that, you know, I got my buddy who's a producer. Well, let's say that buddy grew up in the same neighborhood I did. And let's say it was a black neighborhood and, but he's white, right? So now, okay, I've got diversity, but his lens isn't any more diverse than mine would have been had I grown up in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Right? So, So again, it begs the question about, you know, what is the purpose of this diversity? Is it skin color diversity or is it cultural diversity? Right. Right. Those are two different things. And I think that that's where you know, again, all of this stuff is, is getting muddied, you know, when they, that's why it was interesting for me, you know, again, as a black person sitting here, you know, watching the golden globes and listening to the jokes and they're saying, you know, 90 journalists and none of them are black. Okay. Well again, yeah. What if he was black and he's from Scandinavia and he, you know,
0: (laughs) he was was adopted (laughs) by white, the one black guy in Scandinavia.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he was adopted by white parents, right? Like, his lens is still going to be just like you said, it's going to be nomad land. It's going to be this. And, and again, these, these films are great films. It's not like you're saying that they're not good and that, that the only one, because you know, they're white, but it's just like, again, just that's the thing that struck me. It's just that there's all this conversation. And, you know, like you said earlier about being woke, it's like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have to coin this one. Woke is a joke, right? Like it is because it's like, you, you actually don't understand what you're talking about. Like, it's not about the color of a person's skin always, right? It's about the culture, it's about the community, it's that. And then, you know, in the independent side, I think that there is opportunity there to find people from a certain community to be a part of your film or who understand a certain culture that could be part of the lens of your film. Um, but again, to just, you know, seek people out or even the opposite, forget seeking people out, to point the finger you know, at filmmakers uh, because it appears as though they lack inclusion. I think we gotta be very careful about that. Um, Especially like you said, you know, if I'm a writer director, the story that I'm writing is from my lens. So it's very important to me to have others who share a similar lens to lend to the story, right? If I bring someone in, even if they have talent, you know, uh, doing a specific thing, it may be a challenge for them to leverage their talent in the lens that I need, right? So if I'm seeking someone, I'm looking for both the talent and the lens. And sometimes that can appear to be exclusive of certain people. But the idea is, again, it's it's a cultural inclusivity for the purposes of getting your story told
0: the way that you envision getting the story told. Right. The, the, the culture is the key because in uh, the term, you're going to hear a lot going forward a lot in 2021 for sure is cultural humility. And that is going to replace other terms that we use. So in the DEI world, cultural humility is going to be the new concept. And the idea is, is that you mentioned the idea that a black person could live in Scandinavia, but was adopted. well, that person, you need to have, you don't need to have the culture shock that could put that person back on their heels because they didn't sound or look or act the way you expected a black person to act. That's critical. And I think about the question we asked Emil Guardo, uh in our interview with him a few weeks ago. Hey, you know, you and your Chinese, I believe he's Chinese, um, co-writer wrote a movie that HBO picked up about a teacher who was black. So, but his thing was, well, you know, she won the job as a great actor, you know, but I could write the story because my mom was a teacher, not because I'm, I have this background in being a minority like we didn't write this because we were minorities and we could understand how a minority might feel to be a teacher in this situation. I wrote it cause my mom was a teacher. So I understand the world of teachers. And so right. with cultural humility, what you end up having is, is, is actually more inclusivity because you could have, because it brings in a, a larger swath of, of groups, um, um, based on more factors than just race. Right. Because now it's like, okay, here's the culture. I grew up in the South, but I'm I grew up in the South as a biracial lesbian, let's say. Right. So with cultural humility, you sit back and you wait for them to explain that culture to you. It's not an attack on you. It doesn't feel forced. Um, And I think it brings more people together because that's that's going to be the issue is 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 when you make blanket statements like this, like you talked about, Nick, about you know, going after the filmmakers and and putting them back on their heels for basically having a no mercenaries point of view, which is the best way to make art, right? You want to, we always emphasize this, let's play games with people. Let's play long-term games with long-term players. That's, that's, that's been our POV, right? So you make something that's okay with somebody, make something again, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. Um, And then eventually, you you start winning awards, right? We talked about our good friend, friend of the podcast, Maki Dapp. Yep, for sure. Um well he keeps playing with the same cinematographer over and over and over again. Right? Micah Sims. Yep. And eventually They just keep making better and better stuff. He keeps playing with the same group of producers and cast. You know, you always can find a familiar face in his short films or his features. And then eventually they just learn how to work together and it just gels like being on a team together. So the idea isn't necessarily, um, the idea isn't actually big enough, right? The, The concept of DEI is larger than the concept of no mercenaries so I'm going to work with the people I know, uh, we're going to make great art and hopefully the art reflects a good swath of society that everybody from all backgrounds and cultures can enjoy. But DEI is larger than that, which says, Hey, what can we do as a society to make it easier for, let's say a Machi DAP to have, and he's a bad example because he, <laughs> he has, he has, a, um, uh, Asian children <laughs> he's adopted, right? Like he's, he's, he's not in this group of people who, you know, is, is a, is a one way thinker. Right. Right. Uh, but, but let's just keep on with the Maki, example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which is okay. How do we make it easier for Maki to get to know a Chris and Nick so that Chris and Nick are someone he knew and would converse with without being presented to, to, to us in a film context. Like we were just friends, right? Like I've always thought that was the key. Like, um, the way my dad met my mother, right? My mom is black. Is he grew up in the military as an army brat. So he was around so many different kinds of people that he had no aversion to, you know, he lived in all these countries and all these States and people just became people. And so I've always believed in that too. And so it became, it's what you said, Nick, it's about culture, not about your skin. Cause so he he was able to just walk up to my mom and have a conversation, um, and you know, do some slick shit, like lighter cigarette and stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, so stuff that used to turn people on, like right, yeah. well, one day, we'll do a podcast about that. Like things that used to <laughs> turn people on. Let me light your cigarette for you. You're right. Uh, yeah. So, um, so that that's how he was able to do that. So how do we take that message and share it with everybody? How do we make it easier for a black person to walk up to a white person and and not let their race get in the way of their friendship uh, in the early part of their friendship, right? That trust that trust thing that happens, right? Like, I just want to be your friend. I don't care that you're white, but let's just, let's find where we're common instead of where we're different. And I think a lot of the conversation, especially when there's an attack on filmmakers like this, the conversation is let's talk about how we're different instead of how we're alike.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, from the indie filmmaking perspective, there are opportunities to let you could say, uh, break down some of the walls that might have been created by, uh, you know, our parents, our grandparents, You know, so some of the walls that we don't even know exist, uh, maybe there's a natural way to do that. Uh, But like you said, the the bigger conversation, the bigger play is just how does society manage these things? So it's not enforcing inclusion on a film set, it's about uh, enabling or promoting, you know, the sharing of um, diverse views and, and cultures before you even get to the film set, right? Yes. It's like like us yes, being, exactly. you know, making friends. Yeah, it's like us making friends at film festivals, you know, like that's an opportunity for that type of openness, the type of discussion that's sharing and and friendships to be forged. So really it's it's all outside of that. So yeah, what opportunities can be created in the independent film, right? what they do in Hollywood, let them do that. Right. We're right. Because, because
0: that. Hollywood's a different beast, Nick, because, <laughs> exactly. because the casting crews, they're so large, right? Like the credit on a film like Tenet has 10,000 names on it and right. they're bound to be diverse. And, and I'll take something that you, that you always say, which is, does anyone care if the gaffer was black? Well, you know, I, I, or does anyone know? Right. Right. And, and the answer is someone knows someone knows someone cares but the viewing public won't that won't show up on twitter right because we want to see we want to see the big names and the big opportunities given to black people and people of color in front of the camera or directly behind the camera right but the yeah but the true issue is much larger than that the true issue is yeah how do you get a black gaffer? How do you get more women writing in Hollywood, for example? Like, how do you? you know, this is the big problem where the, the like the general sort of woke part of society, quote unquote, they don't see. Then that's not the focus. The focus is the big fish and the low hanging fruit. Let's grab that and just run with it. Yeah, and for me, it's just I think so. If
1: we again take it back to the indie film community, you know, I think really the opportunity is just to. You know, get these folks introduced to one another, right? Get them to talk with one another. Uh, I think that there are some things that you know, Chris. You know, you and I have the, we're the idea engines. We probably just need to we just need to sit with this for a little while and say, hey, if we mix this group that's always together, right, with this group that's always together, let them make friends, right? Let them mingle, make friends, because otherwise they wouldn't have right? Mm -hmm. That's the idea. It's like, we're not forcing you. We're not telling you have to work together. We just want you to have an opportunity to talk to one another, introduce yourselves, you know, potentially make friends. And then that should naturally, if done on a larger scale and if done continuously, will then naturally grow into the fact that, uh, or into an environment where these people are no longer mercenaries. Now they're friends. Yeah. Right. Like that's the idea. And it's, again, it's not happening on a film set. That's not where you need to focus it. It's really, it's a broader conversation.
0: Yeah. It brings up just the the, the largeness, uh, the largesse, if you will, of, of the problem. And, and you're starting to see factions break off, right? Like there are certain people who say, hey, as a as a black person, I want you to, first thing I want you to notice is that I'm black. So you can have a, the, the cultural humility, like I said, to, to, um, walk up to me differently and, and, and be a little bit more, um, conscientious in in your approach to me. And then there's another faction where it's like, I would hate for you to, to view me as a color first. Like, I want to be judged on the merit of like, like there's, this is something people have to understand. And, and I don't know any black people that think differently than this when I pose it to them. Do you want a job because you're black. No, they, every black person says, no, no, I want a job because I was qualified because I'm good. I just want the opportunity to get the job, but please don't let me, we get embarrassed by that. All the black people I know that feel like that could be the case, completely embarrassed by the idea that, oh, you've taken pity on me. Like, like I'm getting uh, a job because of politics or because you had to. And and, and so therefore, at the very foundation of my work, uh, I will be um, put in a different category and, and will not be able to rise within the organization or rise within the team because everyone will know that I didn't get here through my own merit and talent. And so nobody nobody wants that. So like I say, I would hate for someone to, to, to view me as a, as a color first or as a race first before they get to, to know me uh, as, a, as a person. And if you think about sort of the, the, the size of the, and scope of the problem um, and there's a game society plays and society plays this game all the time. the game is let's talk about symptoms and not about the disease. So everything you hear about every day is always a symptom of a symptom of a symptom of, so the disease itself is foundational at at, at the the basis uh, base uh, camp of society, where it's let's get diverse people in a room and find their commonalities. See, when you focus on the syst- uh, the symptoms of a thing, you find you're, you're looking for the wrong thing. You're looking for. You're looking for how to put the fire of the symptom out. And you do that by finding why you're different. And that's, I think, a, a fundamental lie in game that society tells over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think, you know, one, one of the big things for me,
1: one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because, you know, this is, like you said, it's bigger than um, the Golden Globes. Right, it's, it's bigger than any one film set. This is a big conversation that's being had right now. And, you know, I, I wanted to basically share that, you know, again, as an African-American male, you know, I understand that it's not black and white, right? It's not that simple. It is not about color. It's about this, like you said, if it's cultural humility or cultural diversity, it's about having access Uh, to different people of different cultures in general, right? Just, just in general, just being able to interact with them such that you can make relationships, you can make friendships, you can identify, you know, people with specific skill sets. Again, it's not because of their color. It's just a matter of getting access to a different set of people that For whatever reason, there might have been cultural constructs built around you Mm -hmm. that you didn't even know existed. right? Right. So I think that's it. That's the idea that I think that DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion should really be focusing on, right? Are what are the barriers to people? Uh, just having the opportunity to have these conversations and make friends with one another so that when it becomes time for uh, things in the professional world to kick off then there's more openness and there's more equity in that so again I, I'm basically siding you know with some of these filmmakers saying it's it's not it's not that easy I, I feel for you if you're being challenged by anyone in this way, it isn't as simple as skin color. I'll say that again and again and again, um, because I really believe it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge and it's, it's something that, you know, maybe Chris, you know, you and I, again, putting our heads together, it's something that we can, uh, try to try to work towards, uh, correcting in some way, basically giving these opportunities, uh, to filmmakers to get together in platforms that normally they would not have, uh, thereby giving them opportunity to make new friends and, um, you
0: know not make mercenaries out of people yeah and look we have to open ourselves up to the possibility possibility that w- when we've been hired in the past to be advisory producers or brought in even as executive producers or brought in to do consults on scripts or films or whatever it may be we have to open ourselves up to the idea that 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 was also a, an intentional diversity play and that there's this, you mentioned, for example, that the HFPA is gonna hire, you know, uh, a diversity officer and a legal team and all this stuff. And and, and that's done uh, with great intention because it's a force multiplier. It's okay, on its face right away, you can see we're taking action, we're spending money. But for the non-cynics listening, the other thing that happens is that that person will come in and improve the situation around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those people will come in and actually uh, uh, serve a purpose. It's, it's not just uh, fluff. Um, you know, I, I've, met, I've met a few of these, uh, these great folks that do this. Uh, Alfonso Alex, Alexander, here in town where I'm at in Nashville, Tennessee, does a great job with diversity, equity, equity and inclusion. And when he's brought in, he's there to do real work. But it's also a win for whatever company hires them because they can say they took action towards this initiative. And so when 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 filmmakers (laughs) hire us, you know, we have to at least say, I mean, as as, ironic as it might seem uh, in this conversation, like, hey, Bonsai is working as our AP here. And so we have not only do we have a a more diverse uh, production team but we also have the ability now to open ourselves up to bonds House network, which includes people of all cultures and races. So (laughs) it becomes a, it becomes this full force multiplier win for those filmmakers. I don't know if that's ever happened. I don't have any proof, Nick, but we have to at least open ourselves up to the possibility (laughs) possibility. and that's kind of the funny enough, the experience of being black, which is like when you, when something doesn't happen for you, every black person I know asks, did that happen? Cause I didn't deserve it. Or did that happen? Cause I was black. And that that's a little bit of inside baseball and being a black person in America. But, um, but it kind of is what it, <laughs> it is what it is until we can change it and work together to change it. Right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that there are, it's, it's good that we're having the conversation, right? And I think that's the key for me in, in all of this. It's let's have a conversation about it. Like I'm not dictating to anyone. Right. And I don't think we should dictate to to one another about this stuff. It's just, let's have a right. conversation. You know, let's see what we can do here. You know, let's identify if we have, you know, uh, personal biases that we didn't realize, or we just have, like I said, there's constructs, they're invisible to us because we didn't create them. We just were born into them. You right. know, this isn't right. about exclusion. Right. This this is something different. So, yeah, let's just have the conversation. Let's keep it going. Let's see what we can do, you know, in the indie film world uh, to open ourselves up uh, in general as people uh, to other people. And, you know, hopefully that will cascade into the film projects, um, you know, in a way
0: that we've never seen before. So we'll see. Right. And I think we have more willing hearts than ever due to the current zeitgeist. And I think a good place for us to wrap up is just on that optimistic note, which is that I think there are a lot of people who have their heart open to change and, and to this conversation. Um, You mentioned force being a bad tool to use a bad weapon to draw. I completely agree. Uh, a, A game that another game that society and particularly politicians like to play is a game where, where they pretend that the input of force does not create the output of blowback. Yet throughout history, we know blowback is real. We understand the anthropological root of the Hatfields and the McCoys. We understand what it's about. We understand Cain and Abel. We understand like the oldest stories in time have to do with the input of force and, and, and turning around some type of blowback or some input equaling the, the the blowback. So, you know, we bomb a country, that country bombs us. That's real, that's real life. Uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X try to change the world. You know, those that don't want that change and that, that have thrived in the status quo, kill them, right? We now know that Malcolm X was for sure assassinated by the FBI in, in co- cooperation with, in co- with cooperation from undercover police officers uh, in New York. So we understand it. We know that's what it is. And so if we know force is a really bad tool, I don't know why we keep pulling that tool or that weapon out. So I completely agree with you. I think people have an open heart for it. Force is a bad weapon, bad tool to use. Let's not use it. Let's bring people together with ideas that, um, that unify. Versus ideas that div- that divide. So, Nick, with that, as always, this has been a fun conversation. I always learn something new, and uh, I appreciate you joining, man. Yeah, my pleasure, man.
1: And again, this is a, a big topic, uh, you know, across societies. And I think it's again important for us to just have a conversation. Don't point the finger. Don't make enemies or um, villains of people in the process, just have a conversation.
0: Absolutely. That's the way to go. We'll keep the conversation going on this end for sure. And we'd like for you to keep the conversation going. Man, I'm on fire with these segues tonight, Nick. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) By reaching out to us at contact at bonsai.film. That's contact at B-O-N-S-A-I dot F-I-L-M. So contact at bonsai.film for those emailing us, thank you for the engagement. We really love it and uh, keep it coming. Also, here's a fun thing that gets mentioned on every podcast except for hours. So we're going to start mentioning it. Ratings and reviews help. Please go to Apple Podcasts. Rate or review. Rate, rating takes under one second. Like you just click five stars and you just keep it moving. Reviewing's kind of, I know it's painful. It's like harder to do. You have to think about what you're going to say for three sentences about our podcast. But it really means the world to us. It helps people find our podcast. It keeps us relevant. This is a, a passion project for us. So please go to Apple Podcasts or the podcast player of your choice and do rate us five stars. Um, but I, I would say preferably on, on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you find the time and you have, let's say a minute or two, you want to write a couple of sentences about our podcast and what it means to you, we'd be eternally grateful. So thank you for that. Uh, You can also reach out to us on social. Most, most folks do that. Actually, Uh, you can go to underscore bonsai uh, creative. So underscore bonsai creative that's on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, on facebook you can find us just by searching for bonsai creative and we'll come right up if you want to reach out to us directly that us is me chris barkley and nicholas bugs you can reach out to me at flame in your heart on twitter your is spelled U R, so flame in your heart and then you can reach out to nick directly on twitter at nicholas bugs nick with that please send us off with the credo My pleasure.
1: Be creative. Is that right? Be always. Is that right? No. What is it? Oh, John Barr. Oh, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) As always, folks, don't drink in podcast. So as I was going to say, be better be
0: creative and be engaged and don't drink scotch while you podcast. Thank you for listening. (laughs) I love it. It It's great, dude. This is awesome. (laughs) Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Laters. Later. You've been listening to the make it podcast to find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives. Please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Book Us to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.